Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo. Hey, everybody. The backtrack edition of our show is, as you probably know by now, where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth growing up and dig in deep on that. In this episode, man, when we were growing up, we had nine planets. Yes, we still do. <laughs> Arguably, we probably no, still no, no, do. No, no, no argument. We still have nine planets. I don't care what the hell wow. they say. So NASA scientist Mo apparently has made a declaration and we no, all no, must no. live as, by it. As we get into this podcast, you will find You'll it. see. Okay. Yeah. A few years yes, ago, right. that changed according to authorities. But on the anniversary of Pluto's downgrade, our ninth planet that Mo is going to defend, we are going to remember yes. and pay respect to the ninth and furthest planet in our solar system that apparently isn't or is, depending on who you listen to. Is. Um, uh, it is time for some fourth listener email. <laughs> Woohoo! And this time we're going to do a little segment called Fourth Listener Correction Corner. I hope everybody's ready for oh, this. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't like it when I get corrected. It's bad enough that I have to get talked down to all the time by you two. Now the fourth listener is going to tell me what I've done wrong. <laughs> he didn't even talk about his wife. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you, it, it's an equal opportunity correction corner. I have three pieces of email and each of us is on the hot seat. There's some way that it's going to be that all three of them are going to make fun of me. I know it's going to happen. It's because they love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anybody want to volunteer to go first? Who wants to get their correction? Uh, get one out of the way on me because they're all three going to be about me anyway. So might as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's start with George. All right, George. The first fourth listener email in this fourth listener correction corner is from Thomas. Thomas wrote in and his subject line was Sally Ride. What? Okay. That's, that's the okay. woman who died on the Challenger. I guess I must have done something wrong there. Thomas was referring to our memorable TV events podcast where we talked about the Challenger explosion and all those things. Oh, wow. That was a while back. Things we remember, you know. He writes in and says, at 24 minutes and 38 seconds, he's done his homework. Wow. George, George says. <laughs> the first space shuttle that went up, everybody was on pins and needles. What's going to oh, happen? Right. How's and it going to return to everyone Earth? Everyone was on pins and needles. I mean, the whole right. thing. But by the time they got to Challenger, they were like, okay, well, we're going to send up a civilian into the shuttle, yeah. Sally Ride. It was just. Wait, George, that's that's not right. Sally Ride was not part of that crew. Oh. Sally Ride did fly on the Space Shuttle Challenger twice, but she did not die in the tragic accident. There were two women aboard the failed Challenger flight. Krista McAuliffe, uh, that's the civilian and teacher uh, that we yes. were thinking of, and Judith Resnick. Okay. Yep. He, he does defend you. He says, George, I will toss you a bone. Dr. Ride was the first American woman in space in 83, so maybe that's where the name recognition or association probably. comes from. Because yeah. I just think Challenger Sally Ride, that's yep. probably just yep. locked into my and brain. hey, yeah. at our age, we're allowed to mix up facts, right? Yeah. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I'm 
blaming it on dementia at this point. So Tom says, signed Tom the Space Geek. <laughs> so that wasn't too bad. You know, he even, he even defended you after he corrected you. So well, yeah. that was nice. Tom's my buddy. I'm I'm good with Tom. So let's see who's going to screw me next. Oh, wait, let's All hit right. me up. Let's see. You ready, Mo? You ready? Yeah, do it, do it, do it. All right, here we go. Next up, uh, emails from Michael. And Michael's subject line was the Space Race podcast. All right, great. So Michael writes in and he says, hey, I enjoyed listening to your Space Race podcast. It's amazing how many everyday items we use are created out of the Space Race. I know how much you guys like to point out mistakes each other make. <laughs> this time, it's Mo, who is backed up by George. See, I told you. <laughs> wow, you I George, told you. You know, George, I, I actually, I thought you were being overdramatic. <laughs> But uh, I do too. our audience and I know how yeah, bad I am at this. So <laughs> All right. I stand corrected. I was again. prepared. Mike says, when you mentioned countdown by Rush, not the final countdown. No, 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 no. Rush no, and final. countdown. Not the final countdown. Oh, that's a different one. <laughs> that's, okay. That's a very different group. That's foreigner. <laughs> that's yeah, very, that's foreigner. very different. Okay. Quickly says, nope, that was Foreigner. It's actually oh. Europe who sang the final countdown. But they're foreigners. They're no, foreigners. no, no, no. no. Don't act like that's what you meant. No, no, no you're not getting away with that one. He's absolutely right. I am wrong. He is right. <laughs> Mike says, I really enjoyed the show, especially the toast to the space race with Tang. Yay. Still taste it. Fourth listener, Michael. You can still taste it. <laughs> a grit yeah, still, still on my teeth. teeth. Two-month-old aftertaste. There you go. Oh, goodness. All right. It's my turn. All right. My turn. Let's see how this releases, George. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I know what's going to happen here. I don't think this is going to splash back on you. I think it's all All good. right. This is from Kyle. And Kyle messaged us uh, with subject line, that guy. Uh-oh. That guy. Okay. He says, hey, guys. Thoroughly enjoy listening to you guys during my daily walk with my dog and my drive to work. Backtracks are my favorite, although I listen to the weekly episodes, too. Thank you. Thank you. Especially love the outtakes the end of each episode. Just finished the latest backtrack, and I hate to be that guy, but John, John, I mean, like, look, Big Bang Theory that just ended. Great theme song by Baby Bobby Giants. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But if you think about it, it's- but John, the bare naked ladies sing the Big Bang Theory theme, not They Might Be Giants. Ah, that's right. Damn it. Mm. And there were like three other people that messaged or texted me and said, hey, dummy, it's not that They Might Be Giants. Uh, yeah, he said, for some reason, somehow I knew the greatest American hero would be my, you're number one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was a stretch. Come on, guys. No love for the Golden Girls theme? <laughs> that's a good one. No, not for me. Oh, no, that's a good one. Come on. It's a good, solid theme for sure. It's one that stuck with you. The author, right? It wasn't in my top 10. wasn't in my top 10 either. Nope. All right, Kyle, you get to be our that guy for this episode. Right you are. He says, keep up the great nostalgic work. Loyal fourth listener from Tampa via Charleston, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle, hey. for pointing out something that John said wrong. And Mo, you guaranteed anybody that corrects me is going to make the show. You've established yes, that yes, over absolutely. and over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got those handled, George. Only two of them hit you. You thought it'd be all three. It was only two. So one and a half. Yeah. You're ahead of the game. Apparently, I'm only betting 666, which is another whole different topic of numbers. But. Side of the devil, dude. <laughs> all right. And it's time to get into remembering Pluto right after this. They say our solar system is centered around the sun. Planets large and small parading It was 
was 13 years ago in August that this group of people got together and some would say <laughs> <Wow>. arbitrarily, arbitrarily. <laughs> with such disdain. I know. This group of people. Yeah. Ar- arbitrarily, <laughs> which I think it was just a big power trip for them, decided that, hey, we're going to make Pluto a planet. And this has nothing to do with the fact that I did a whole book report on this in elementary school and <laughs> all <this other> stuff. <laughs> nothing to do with that. It's all purely because of its size and some other criteria, which I know we're going to go into, that they decided that yep. Pluto is not a planet and now our <sighs> solar system only has eight. So is that it, Mo? Are you so upset at this that it's because you're afraid that your teacher is retroactively going to go back and change your <laughs> elementary school grade? No, because they're all probably dead at this point, but they... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, come but on. That's oh. the only reason the grade's not changing. That's right. I can see Mr. Harris totally changing it. For 76 years, we had nine exactly. planets. Exactly. 76 years. Nobody complained. Everybody was happy. Everyone had a way of remembering it. Did you guys have a yep. mnemonic that you learned? A little mnemonic device or you remember? I remember when I was in the Cub Scouts, we made our custom t-shirts. We put all the like the symbols of the planets on your shirt. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's a nice grid. It's three by three. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's right. nine. Yeah. Of course, I left out the letter E. And so my shirt said symbols of the plants. That's, that's <laughs> <Wow>. there. <laughs> Still, still, it was nine planets. Was nine That's planets. right. The fact that it was like the last kind of major body that was discovered by like an optical telescope for the time. Yeah, discovered in 1930. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Modern times by a guy out of Kansas. And we'll talk more about it. it was discovered a little later, but it was ours. And it was yes. number nine. Well, see, every Saturday we sat down with our bowl of cereal. And what did Schoolhouse Rock teach us? <laughs> Interplanet Janet. Yep. Galaxy That's right. Gal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Has it been a planet she hasn't seen? That's right. It says right there in the line, Pluto, little Pluto is the farthest planet from the sun. That's right in interplanet Janet. So I know I'm not misremembering. We always had nine. No. I hope you're not <sighs> misremembering because if you are, our fourth listeners are going to call you out on it. That's in the right. Very They're going to let us know. They're going to get their email on the air. That's so right. I still remember in kindergarten learning my very elegant mother just sat upon nine porcupines. That's how you remember the planets in order. That's the mnemonic device, yep. right? Wow. Yep. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> are way smarter than me. I still can't remember all nine of them. <laughs> Sat upon nine porcupines. Well, good news, George. There's only eight to remember now, so you're okay. ahead of the game. <laughs> Even at our advanced age, you should be able to handle that. <laughs> We're going to get to Pluto. We're going to focus on Pluto, but I want to put context around it. Let's get there. Let's look at our solar system starting from the sun and talk about how they all are discovered and got their name, and then we can let Mo make his argument okay. about why Pluto should still be a planet. And frankly, uh, spoiler alert, I tend to agree with you, Mo, but that's, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> so the sun obviously is a star. It's the largest thing in our solar system. It's almost 199.8% of the mass of the solar system. They say that the sun is an ordinary star. They used to think of it. They say yeah, that, was, that yeah. was the common thought at the time. There are many more smaller stars and there are larger ones. The sun is actually in the top 10% by yeah. mass. So it may be ordinary, but it's, it's a pretty badass star and it's, we're lucky to have it. And it, it keeps us warm at least. I mean, there are times when it keeps me a little too worn and my pale skin, you know, just kind of burns <laughs> underneath its radiance, but it's, it's only because it's in the top 10%. If we, if we had a cooler star, then you could wear your parka all the time. You'd be all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I still remember as a kid, like that report I did way back when that I was so proud of still to this day. Right. They, so my brother was like, I was talking about my brother and he's like, Oh yeah, here's another great fact. The sun was discovered by Ugg the caveman. <laughs> 
total disdain for my work. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I, had a, I had a grandfather that always said, you know, I can always put on another jacket, but I can only get so naked. So yeah. I'd rather be colder Cold than it is hotter. So yeah, fair enough. Uh, the sun's about 4.5 billion years old. Since its birth, it's used up about half the hydrogen in its core, and it'll continue to radiate peacefully for another 5 billion years before it collapses into a black hole. So I hope you all are not around for that. I don't think I will be. I'll be okay. Well, hopefully nobody's around for that. <laughs> or at least not here. Well, I, I, ho- I hope somebody's around for it. Just yeah, not but here. just not here. All right, let's get into our planets. The closest to the sun, Mercury. Yep. Uh, it's been known since the time of the ancient Sumerians, like third millennium BC. Which is still pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it, well, it's because these are close enough that they looked like stars and they had names because they were, uh, and of course, everything was, everything moved around the earth back then. So mm-hmm. they said, oh, here's one of our lovely planets that moves around us. It was named in Roman mythology, Mercury is the god of commerce, travel, and thievery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember even as how things have changed over time, I remember as a kid, the conventional thinking was that Mercury was kind of like our moon, that the same side always faced the sun when it rotated. Right. Yep. But it turns out that's not true. It just rotates really slowly. And uh, this it's one of the ones that has no satellites, no natural satellites yep. around it. So no direct TV? <laughs> Well, it's because you're in the I'm dark side asking. or light side. <laughs> what? Why is that funny? You're saying on Mercury there's no direct TV because they have no satellites. Well, technically, you're, you're, you're correct. There is no direct TV on Mercury. Well, but, you don't know that. You, know, you might be able to pick well, it up. Okay, said, fair enough. Satellites, you need a satellite for direct TV. I have direct TV. I know because every time it rains, my signal goes out because it can't communicate with the satellite. Uh, there's no known natural satellites around Mercury, like okay. a moon, All I right. guess is what I was getting at. Oh, natural natural okay. satellites. Right. Fair enough. There also are, there's no direct TV on, on Mercury. They don't have good service there yet. Yeah, that, so. That's going to be the new Wikipedia page. Yeah, cell coverage also for shit on Mercury, if you're curious. <laughs> but they probably have really good Sirius XM radio. They may. Yeah, they may. I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to Venus, which is the second from the sun, uh, the sixth largest planet. It's been known since prehistoric times before oh, yeah. the Sumerians. Super easy to see. Yeah. Venus, uh, named after the goddess of love and beauty, or in Greek, the Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It's one of the brightest planets that was known to the ancients. With a few exceptions, the surface features on Venus are actually named for female figures. It's all based around the goddess of love. Because it's a boiling cauldron of hot, hellish landscaping wow are you drawing a parallel There's I don't know. I'm just wondering. right there folks i'm just All wondering because right. that is what the surface of venus is like bitter much i'm just saying <laughs> just saying i don't know who came up with that but in our sky it's the brightest object except for the sun and the moon and like mercury venus no known satellites yep and no direct mm. tv either Correct no direct tv that's gonna be that's the right. qualification for a planet from now on. <laughs> no direct tv you're a planet there you go <laughs> It's interesting trivia. You know, all of the orbits around the sun are elliptical. They're not just perfect circles. Venus is the closest to being a perfect circular orbit with less than 1% kind of deviation from a perfect circle around the the sun. I wonder what Mm. that does for the environment of a planet. Like, does the elliptical orbit mean something different versus a circular orbit, like season-wise or volcanic eruptions as things oh, yeah, are well, I would imagine it. be much more stable because first of all, no satellite. So therefore, if there's you know any liquid on it, it wouldn't be affected like the moon affects our tides. But also any seasons it has would be very, very uniform because it doesn't get closer and further from the sun. Hmm. Look at there, scientist George. I hadn't even thought of that. That's I'm a good not point. a scientist. I'm just asking stupid questions because I don't <laughs> know much about this topic. <laughs> so uh, third planet you may have heard of, it's called Earth. Mm. Uh, it's the fifth largest. Third rock from the sun. It, hey, 
made. Good point. It's the only planet whose English name does not derive from a Greek or Roman mythology. It's just Earth. It's old English and Germanic. <laughs> I think you've all heard of that. And this one, by the way, does have a satellite and does have direct TV. Yes. So it is a planet. It's a subplanet. But George just said if it doesn't have direct TV, it is a planet. But if it does, it's a subsystem of all the other planets that don't have direct TV. <laughs> Got it. All right, Got it. <laughs> so finally, let's wrap up the inner planets. And then we have Mars. Mars is fourth from the sun, seventh largest. Mars also known since prehistoric times, mm-hmm. named after the god of war, bum, bum, bum. Mars, or in Greek, Ares. I got a question, something you just said there. You said, well, let's wrap up the inner planet. So I'm not yes, a big yes. space guy. I'm not a big astronomer. I don't know crap about it. And probably no less than a fifth grader, as Jeff Fox would ask. <laughs> So don't go on that show. What's the difference between inner planets and outer planets? Aren't they all in outer space? So I don't quite it's kind grasp of dis- the concept. It's a distance from the sun thing. Yeah. So the inner planets are all really relatively close to each other and relatively close to the sun. Then okay. we have the asteroid belt. Then we start getting to Jupiter and the gas giants. The spacing gets huge. Yeah. So is the asteroid belt thing you're talking about, is that like the dividing line, like the border between inner Pretty and outer? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. That is. Yeah. It absolutely is. It is. Yep. And we're going to talk about the asteroid belt in a minute and uh, give you some more details. Detail. But Mo is absolutely right. All the inner planets are close and inside the asteroid belt and everything beyond the asteroid belt are the outer planets. Also gas giants, mostly. Well, I'm not arguing with Mo on anything, no, he, first well, of all, because <laughs> Mo is obviously very passionate about well, this. Well, Mo wrote the right. report and all I did was misspell a t-shirt. So I'm pretty sure that Mo is going to be the expert <laughs> on it. Mars probably got its name because it's it's red color. So it's, it looks angry, yeah. often referred to as the red planet. Which it is. Yeah. So And you know. the source of all of our invasions. Asians. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Interesting side note, the Roman god Mars was a god of agriculture before he was associated with the Greek Ares. So people that want to terraform and colonize Mars might want to prefer that symbolism over the god of war. Huh. A little trivia tidbit huh. for you. Who knew? Who knew? But Mars, like the Earth, does have natural satellites, two of them, Phobos yes, and Deimos. They're really tiny, but they're still satellites. Yeah. They're, well, Mars is very little. Mars is the seventh largest. It's pretty small. And it has two tiny little satellites around it. So it could have direct TV. It could. <laughs> it, Theoretically right? could. I Theoretically. Again, crappy signal. Does it rain on Mars? Yeah. Maybe it rains, I don't know, acid or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but that if it did, it would interfere. with your satellite dish. Trust it would. Me. DirecTV, acid rain would not bode well for DirecTV no. at all. So just think, George, if you had DirecTV on Mars, you'd probably have a crystal clear signal all the time because the atmosphere is also really thin. So you'd be oh, perfect. So that would help with my signal. There you go. I don't know how this podcast became an advertisement for DirecTV. I'm <laughs> Apologize for that to our listeners. <laughs> I'm just trying to associate it with stuff I know. <laughs> All right, guys, we talked about the inner planets. Now it's time to talk about the outer planets. And we got to start with that asteroid belt thing that rides around the mm-hmm. midsection of the galaxy or cosmos. I don't know. What, what is this thing? It's a solar galaxy, system, right? We're, we're in a solar no, system. No, no, solar, we're system. solar system. Solar system. Okay, <laughs> yes. so the belt goes around the middle of the solar system. There's an inner planet and an outer planet, kind of like my fat rolls, you know, as they roll <laughs> over my belt going around my waist. So what's the deal with this asteroid belt? What makes it so special? Like, 
they stay in the same orbit or what? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the asteroid belt is pretty interesting. The theory, no one was around then to prove it, but the theory that scientists have evolved is that the solar system formed out of the coalescing of all these planetary rocks and debris and stuff and became planets. And the asteroid belt is part of the debris that didn't turn into planets. Right. So it's not Star Trek II Wrath of Khan where a planet exploded and became an asteroid belt. No. This is one where we're saying we all got planets out of the asteroid belt. Not as far as we know. We, we don't think that was the case. No. The theory is that the gravity of Jupiter was so strong that the planet could just never form. Oh. Because it kept yep. tugging on it. So yep. Jupiter must be close to the asteroid belt then. Well, Jupiter has a bit pretty big influence. It's a ways so. from it, but it's it's big enough and its mass does. Right. Millions and millions of tiny little like just debris and rocks and stuff. And if you look on like a star chart, it occupies just millions of miles. But if you take the total mass of the asteroid belt and squish it down, it's like 4% of the moon. Yeah. Really? So this asteroid belt, that's the dividing line. You mush it all into one big ball. It's only 4% the size of our moon. That's right. That's what's huh, left. Yeah. But it, it's enormous. That's not a very big thing. No, no. But it's blown mm. into tons and tons of little bit tiny pieces, and it spans an entire region. It's a lot of empty space, which is pretty much what space is, a lot of empty space, and uh, <laughs> periodically a random thing appears. Well, because I think of yeah. asteroid belts and stuff like we see in science fiction movies and everything, and they're having to dip, dodge, duck, and, and dive <laughs> you know, through right. all these asteroids and everything. Dodge and, twice. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy to think that this one, which is supposed to be this big monstrous thing, it sounds like it's got a lot of empty space between the different floating rocks. Yeah, it really does. It, it'd be more like plot a course for the next tiny rock and see what wow. we get there because they're really far apart. Yeah. Relatively, they're close together, but in the scheme of things, you wouldn't want to walk between them. You know what I mean? Listen, when NASA <laughs> sent like the satellites out to the outer planets, yep. they look for, like they make sure it's not going to crash. It's just like some of the bigger pieces of the, like four of them really. Yep. But then the, they don't even care about the rest because the odds of hitting something are so small. It's, it's just like infinitesimal. Not about. Yep. Huh. Beyond that aspect, asteroid belt, we have some planets that did coalesce, and mm -hmm. the big daddy is Jupiter. Fifth from the sun, the largest in our solar system. Jupiter is more than twice as massive as all the other planets combined. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hog, man. It took everything. Yeah, alone, it's 318 times our own Earth. That's how big you have 318 Earths into Jupiter. Uh, also known since prehistoric times, and it, back then, they thought it was a wandering star because it was so big and so bright. They didn't understand why does it move around all the time? It looks like a star. But it doesn't move with the rest of them. Yeah, but it moves around. It doesn't oh. stay put like the constellations do because they're so distant. Right. Yep. Hence the name Planet, which means da, wanderer. Da, da. Oh, Mo, oh, so planet stands it. for wanderer? Yeah. Huh, okay. See, the more you know. Da, right. da, da. Yeah. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> Thank you, G.I. Joe. The other thing about Jupiter is that it just has a shit ton of moons. <laughs> It, it really like does. Your direct TV. Yeah, talk about your, yeah, your direct TV is locked down. 79 known natural yeah. satellites. Wow. Four large ones and a bunch of other small ones. I won't go into all the names here, but so Jupiter itself is named after the king of the gods. In Greek uh, mythology, right. it's Zeus. Zeus. Ruler yep. of Olympus, patron of the Roman state, all that. So all of the uh, named satellites, I thought this was really interesting, are named after other figures from the life of Zeus, mostly his numerous lovers. Yeah, he got around. He did get around. I guess if he's got 79 of them running around, right? Well, when you're a god, he's, you know. He's doing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you about the, that universe sandbox game that I got that you can kind of Yeah, we talked about that last show, right? Yep. They have a, one of the models you could kind of pull is Jupiter with all of its satellites. I bet that's amazing to see. Like all 79. And it's just this mass of, you're like, holy cow. 
you know, most of them are actually very small, obviously, but still, it's just pretty amazing. You know, in addition to satellites, Jupiter also has a very faint ring system like Saturn. Mm. You know, growing up with interplanet Janet, I I thought Saturn was the only one that had rings. I thought that until you mentioned it in this show. So there you go. No, yeah, they discovered some years back that there's a very faint rings around Jupiter. And in fact, all of the gas giants that we're going to talk about have them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like very faint, very small, and it's infinitesimally smaller than Saturn's ring system, which you'll yeah. be surprised to learn how puny it is for what it looks like. But it's definitely the Mac Daddy of rings. So yeah, yeah, Saturn. So (laughs) speaking of Saturn, so out beyond Jupiter, we have Saturn, sixth from the sun, second largest after Jupiter. It's been known also since prehistoric times. In Roman mythology, Saturn is the god of agriculture Mm -hmm. uh, or the Greek god Cronus. And also Saturn also has like a ton of moons as well. Yes. And a really good car company back in the day. (laughs) They did. Back in the day. That was my favorite car. Absolutely. Yep. Not only is it a great car company, as you said, George, but as Mo was saying, tons of satellites. George would get great DirecTV reception as well here. <laughs> 62 named satellites, and their names in order are Pan, Atlas, Prometheus, Pandora, Janus, uh, Mimas, Telesto, Calypso. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting There's still are you? 50 more. Wait. This, hold on. This is not a seven-hour-long <laughs> podcast, dude. You got one planet with 79 satellites. This one's got 62 satellites. I've looked at my DirecTV setup, and I know how many satellites they have. There's no way I'm naming all of them. I just know they're there. We're good. Let's move on. Fair enough. Can we at least devote some time to one of the most prominent features of Saturn, which are its amazing rings? Oh, I thought you were going to say its nose. I was like, don't be mean. That's just cool. (laughs) I know. It's very sensitive about that. No, no, it's it's beautiful rings. (laughs) I thought it was like from the movie Roxanne, you're going to start making fun of Steve Martin or something. He was going to be in a bar and make a whole bunch more fun of you or something. And it was going to be a thing between you and Saturn. But anyway, that went really off on a tangent, but I got it. I got it. Every piece of it is amazing. I followed you. He made it. He made it there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So Saturn's rings, they have two prominent rings uh, and a faint ring, and they can be seen from Earth with a, a decent pair of binoculars or a telescope at least. And when Voyager passed by, they actually saw four additional faint rings. So it's divided into Not pieces. Not Voyager, the Star Trek ship, which does the surfing in its intro. Not that Voyager. Different Voyager. No, no, no. Not not the, not the Voyager that got lost in, in, the, talking about in the Delta Quadrant. Real stuff okay. Here, okay? Just. Yeah. Hey, Star Trek. Real, you cut it out. <laughs> Despite all that, from the Earth, the rings, it looks like one big disc circling around mm-hmm. it. And that's what Interplanet Janet taught me in Schoolhouse Rock that Saturn has this one big ring system around it. I remember as a uh, buddy of mine had like, a really, really nice telescope and I was able to actually see Saturn's rings through it. That was pretty that's amazing. amazing. It's amazing to be able to do that. Like the asteroid belt, the rings of Saturn are just innumerable tiny particles, each in a little independent orbit, and they range in size from a centimeter to several meters. Hmm. So it's like dust. Yeah, <laughs> from dust all the way up to there are a few like kilometer sized objects, but but mostly it's, you know, very, very little several meters down, you know, as like as big as your car down to dust. And all of that, it's so dense. Yeah, and they're shoving, I guess they call them shepherd moons that kind of are inside of there that basically it's their gravity that kind of keeps the ring stable. Kind of keeps it moving. Yeah, yeah. Keeps yeah. it in that little pattern. One more little fact that I thought was interesting is that the rings are extraordinarily thin, right? So 250,000 mm. kilometers around, but but like a kilometer thick. Huh. 
<laughs> it's it, it just, it's perfectly, that's why it looks like such a perfect disc. It's enormous, but super, super thin. This just amazes me that that is stable. You think any little thing would just totally disrupt the range. You would, yeah, yeah, gone. anything, some, yeah, something passes by, a little bit of gravity, you yeah. would just rip it out of there. If you took all the rings and compressed them, it would turn into a body less than 100 kilometers across. That's it. Wow. But they're just spread out so big. <sighs> all right, let's move on to the one that George is going to make a, a joke about. We're going to talk about Uranus. Well, yeah, okay. I was, now, that's I was like every 12-year-old boy's favorite planet, right? <laughs> when I was growing up, it what everyone called it Uranus. Right, yep. But then when they discovered the rings around it, right. they said, you know, we Maybe probably we should. We shouldn't talk about the rings around Uranus. That's, that's exactly. Make it, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's Uranus. It is Uranus. <laughs> it's seventh from the sun, third largest. This is the first planet that was discovered in modern times, March 13th, mm-hmm. 1781. Wow, that's modern times? Oh, well, yeah. Well, we talked about the Sumerians in uh, 3 BC. So I think oh, okay. that this, this counts right, as modern enough. times. <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was seen before that, but it was discarded as another star. And then finally, William Herschel discovered that it, uh, and he got to name it. And he named it after the ancient Greek deity of the heavens, huh. the earliest supreme god, Uranus. And actually, I think it's the only one named with the Greek name rather than the Roman name. That's right. Now, you may have heard that Uranus has an interesting tilt to it. This, I didn't realize how just how crazy it was. Most planets are perpendicular to their orbit, right? So they're up and down, like the Earth, the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then if you look mm-hmm. out the side, there's the sun. Uranus's pole points directly at the sun. So like it's, yeah, it's, it's like, like a it's football. rolling through the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you put a spiral on a football that you throw, like you're gonna throw it at the sun. It's it's circling like that. And there's even debate over which pole is the north pole because is it the one facing the sun or the one not facing the sun? Who knows? It also has a bunch of moons as well, doesn't it? A bunch of satellites. Right, 27 known satellites plus a small dark ring system. It seems that all Runny of these radius. gas <laughs> giants out in the outer solar system, they all have a, a ring system. We had no idea of when we were growing up, but they do. They all have some kind of a ring system that are probably leftovers from the creation of these giant gas giants. Pretty cool. Okay, we're almost to the star of the show, Pluto. Last one before we get there, the outer planets. Number eight from the sun, Neptune, fourth largest. Neptune was the god of the sea uh, and so dubbed because of the blue color of Neptune. It looks like this blue, beautiful blue ocean kind of color. Yeah. Greek god was Poseidon. I don't know. Nobody ever taught me this. I would have loved science so much more if our teachers had taught us this amazing trivia. They just remember them. Remember the size. Remember the order. But after Uranus was discovered, it was noticed that the orbit of Uranus was disrupted. It was not in accordance with Newton's laws. And like it, it's doing this little adjustment that it shouldn't. And so they predicted there must be something else out there, large, that is interfering. Affecting the, yeah. Yeah, with Uranus's orbit. So they knew where to look due to that kind of deformation in its orbit. And they found Neptune. I mean, to me, it's just the amazing part of that is that, you know, that's based on calculations that were developed by Newton back in like the 1600s. And he was damn right. <laughs> and it's and the math worked and helped find a planet. I mean, that's just to me just is amazing. Yeah. Also in modern times, first discovered September 23rd, 1846, such a short time ago. Turns out Galileo observed it two centuries before when it was near Jupiter, but he again thought it was a star. That's a common thing. Yeah. Well, they don't move very fast, so. <laughs> they, no, no, they're way, way out. And they move really, really slowly. And Neptune, like all of its uh, brothers out in the outer planets, 14 known satellites and a ring system, very dark of unknown composition, but it's there. Mm-hmm. So likely to also have decent direct TV coverage for you, George. Okay, good. Just so I can watch my TV while I'm on Neptune. <laughs> Gotta have my third rock from the sun while I'm out on the other planets. Television reception on Neptune is going to be the least of your problems when you're yeah. out of that <laughs> <cash> giant. <laughs> 
The ninth planet. I'm going to say that now. Yeah, I'm with you. In my opinion, we're at the ninth planet. So we went through all the eight that were before it. Now we're actually going to talk about Pluto. Yay, Pluto. (laughs) I think it has a pretty damn cool history and is interesting. What do we know about it, John? It was discovered just as recently back as 1930. Yeah. Barely got a chance to be a planet between then and when they screwed us over. Exactly. It was a happy accident. There were calculations that later turned out to be an error predicting some planet beyond Neptune based on, just like we discovered Neptune, kind of aberrations of Uranus and Neptune. And uh, not knowing what the error was, this guy named Clyde W. Tombaugh at the Lowell University in Arizona did a careful sky survey, which accidentally turned up Pluto anyway. There was nothing out there that was deforming the orbits of Neptune and Uranus, but he did come across Pluto by accident. And Pluto's way too small anyway to be messing with their orbits. Hey, now, don't you be dissing on Pluto's size. That That's it, where this whole problem started. Well, the discovery of it, though, the part that was cool, I remember, is like reading the book and they show like the plates that he used to find it because they, well, how they found it was they took pictures. And long, long, long exposures to do it. Right. And then they basically had to take these two pictures and they had this machine that would flip the pictures, like alternate them. To see what moved. And you'd have to look to see what Mm -hmm. moved. And analyze every little speck of dust to make sure that it wasn't. Right. Yeah. The the fact that people could devote their time and their lives to doing this to benefit everybody is just, and and how you figure it out in the first place is just stunning. Yeah. Pluto orbits out beyond the orbit of Neptune. Usually it actually crosses over the orbit once in a great while. Yeah. Which we have to, we'll go back to that in a second. Yeah. It's much smaller than any of the official planets and we'll talk more about this later but at the moment it's classified as a dwarf planet okay it's actually okay stop that's just cruel we don't call them dwarfs anymore (laughs) it's little planet people little (laughs) people the the planets are okay with it we checked and they said they're cool with it no they're not (laughs) pluto's not and mo is not suddenly their advocate here is not okay with it no 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 Uh, So to put it into perspective, Pluto itself, the ninth planet, is smaller than seven of the moons in the inner solar system. Yeah, it's not very big. Yeah, there are moons on other planets bigger than the planet Pluto. That's how much smaller it is. Including our moon. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about its naming. Pluto, of course, named after Mickey Mouse's dog. Yes. Yep, absolutely. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is what I always thought until they made me learn something different in what school. <laughs> Wait, different? It's not? Yeah, it turns out it's not, sadly. Ah, yep. What a horse. Yep. In, in yeah. Roman mythology, Pluto is the god of the underworld, the uh, Greek god Hades. Yeah. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. It received its name after many other suggestions, perhaps because it's so far from the sun that it's in perpetual darkness. And I think it was, it was a, like a little girl, I think, is the one that actually uh, suggested a name. Another coincidence that might be why it was named Pluto is that the symbol and code for Pluto is PL, which is also the initials of the Percival Lowell Observatory, where it was discovered back in 1930. So another happy accident or on purpose? I don't know. Read the book. All all (laughs) (laughs) that. It was incidental. Pluto also has, even though it's so tiny, it also has natural satellites. It has five moons. Sharon, Hydra, Nix. Oh, yeah. Kerberos and Styx, Kerberos. all having to do with the god of the underworld. So it has these great yeah. underworld kind of demony kind of associative words. Oh, that was neat. And in fact, there are a ton of other things out there. Mm-hmm. Remember we talked about the asteroid belt and it says that's most of the remnants left over from the formation of the planets, George? Yeah, I remember the belt that goes around my fat rolls. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, out beyond that is this belt called the Kuiper 
belt. Okay, so that's a different belt that goes around different fat rolls. Different fat rolls. It's higher up, right? Yes. <laughs> it's another circumstellar disk in the outer solar system, and it extends from the orbit of Neptune, like the asteroid belt, but way larger, like 20 times as wide as the asteroid belt, and up to 200 times as massive. Wow. Tons of small, tiny little bodies left over from when the solar system was formed. And that, in fact, is where they're now arguing Pluto belongs as one of these little leftover things out in the Kuiper belt rather than it's dedicated. I'm sorry, Mo. It's a touchy subject. I know. I apologize. (laughs) It's okay. I know we got to do it. That's fine. Let's just get through as quick as possible. We are. All right. We're going to jump into the discussion of the whole downgrade right after this. Mars is red and Jupiter's blue. All right, George, brace yourself for screaming coming from Mo. Okay. We're, we're getting into the whole downgrade of Pluto. Uh, I took a Valium. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's been controversy about the classification of Pluto. It was classified as that ninth planet right after it was discovered, and it was stayed that way for 75 years. But as we discussed, August of 2006, some 13 years ago, the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, decided on a new definition of planet. Okay. First of all, I'm not taking anything they say to heart because that's the dumbest name for an organization I think I've ever heard. That just <laughs> sounds you. stupid. Thank you. That is part of the problem right, right there. <laughs> Step one, you're a dumb-sounding organization. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes everything you say automatically invalid. Uh, in- invalidated all of your facts. Yes. <laughs> they redefined what planet means. So it- it's like they changed the rules. It's like they play the Super Bowl, and then after the game, like, you know what? We've decided that it's you know, it takes 11 yards for a first down. You know, it's, it's like they changed the rules after the fact. Right. And that's why Pluto got reclassified as a dwarf planet distinct from planet. Here are the rules. All right, you ready? Here's the three criteria for a full-size planet. Number one, it is in orbit around the sun. I'm good with that. No problem. Okay. Check. Good job. Number two, it has sufficient mass to assume hydrostatic equilibrium. Everybody got that? Oh, no. (laughs) I do. That's about as dumb as the name of that organization that declassified it. I had to look this up too. (laughs) It means that it's big enough to have a mass that pulled in the little bumps and made it roughly a spherical shape. Oh, okay. It's got to be right. so not just to be a round. big bumpy rock. Right. Yeah, it's big enough that the mass of it collapsed the bumps on the outside so to make it a the sphere. The planet had to have gotten past the acne stage is what you're saying. Yep, yeah. it did. It had to get over that. He had to get past adolescence into adulthood. Yeah, it had to be big enough. And again, Pluto's fine there. No problem. It's big enough that it's formed a spherical shape. Number three, it has cleared the neighborhood around its orbit. And that's the sticky that's point. That's the sticky point. Yeah. Does that mean it had to move out of its parents' basement? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> it mean- you know, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> You have this orbit that Pluto kind of moves around. And the assertion is that, so let's take Earth, right? So Earth is a a nice sized planet in the inner solar system. Because its mass is so huge, anything that it came near, it sucked in and made part of the Earth. Okay. It doesn't have a bunch of like litter debris around. Yeah. Yeah, in, In our orbit. All right. Pluto doesn't have that benefit. It's at, it's out in that Kuiper belt and it moves around a bunch of crap all the time and it's not big enough to clear out. Essentially, he has to be the king of the playground. If he's, he has enough pull that nothing can stand against him and becomes 
part of him, but he's not. Hmm. He's too small, not enough mass. He kind of wanders through all this other debris, but not big enough to claim his orbit. So are we going to let Mo go nuts now? Because I think he needs to be able to have his say or he's going to blow something. Like an eyelid is going to pop out or... It's twitching. Yeah. It's twi- he's got that, that vein on the side of his forehead is pulsing. <laughs> you know, it's like, Ugh. okay, so here are the All problems right. with this. <laughs> so first off... Let it, let it go. Yeah, first off, the organization that determined this, they voted when there was only like 19% of the people there. It was, and it was by a show of hands. They didn't even have all their members vote? No. No quorum. There's no quorum. Second off, this group is not, they are not planetologists. There's a difference between astronomers and planetologists. Astronomers study the whole sky. Planetologists study planets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a single planetologist was involved in that decision. So they would totally, and they all just totally Strike disagree. Strike two. Strike two. The clearing orbit problem would actually mean that Neptune is not a planet because it crosses Pluto's orbit. Boom. Yep. We referred to that earlier. Oh, so it hasn't since cleared they both cross orbit. each other, they would both have to be declassified exactly. as planets. So they said, and obviously okay. Neptune is a planet. You know, no one debates that. So then the other argument against this, they said, is that, well, if we classify Pluto as a planet, then Ceres, which is the largest asteroid in the asteroid belt, which is round, Mm -hmm. would be classified as a planet as well. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. (laughs) To be quite honest, (laughs) I don't see why that's a problem. Well, why is it okay to take away a planet, but it's not okay to classify such that other things become qualified as planets? You know, again, and and science is all about, you know, learning new facts, coming up with hard factual definitions for things. And I'm totally good with that. Science is not about contradicting interplanet Janet. That's not why science was invented. Yes. So, and the other thing is that, you know, the whole Kuiper belt, I think they've already found like four other planets or dwarf planets the size of Pluto or thereabouts out there. And they're like, well, if we do that, then we're going to have like 18 planets or 20 planets. And I'm like, again, I'm like, again, why not? They're discovered. Yeah, they're exactly. new. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine the mnemonic device to remember those 30 some planets? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think your nine by nine grid or three by three no. grid for your nine planets is going to work on your t-shirt. I'll have to use the back of my t-shirt too. But I just thought it'd be, you know, hey, if we had 30 planets, our solar system, I think that'd be damn cool, <laughs> to be quite honest. So the thing is that yeah. the definition, and they also, from the scientific community, they say that whole clearing the path thing is just so arbitrary. Like how I much know. stuff yeah. qualifies it not being cleared. And it's the third criteria, like they added that in. It's like, yeah, you met these two, but here's one that you don't. And right. so now any large body that doesn't meet those three criteria is classified as a dwarf planet, including Pluto. By this group. By, by this group. What about Moe's planetologist group? Do they have anything to say? Like, is there a planetologist weird named organization that says no bullshit on you astronomer guys? <laughs> well, actually, by planetologists, though, they actually think that some of the moons in our solar system should classify themselves as planets because they have the atmosphere and they have their solar systems atmosphere yep um they're active tectonically so they say actually that some of the moons technically should be qualified as planets as well that's what i want to ask if we agree that these people are planetologists they're the experts on planets why don't we go with whatever they say as opposed to the astronomers which according to mo are just people who look out into space and not necessarily experts on planets uh i think everyone likes a good controversy (laughs) this was a good (laughs) argument <laughs> yeah, and apparently that was the deciding body. I mean, we have these planetologists that maybe know more, but they were not the authority, unfortunately. So, well, but that's what I'm saying, though. I keep mean, fighting the man in the media. We only ever heard that Pluto was being declassified. It's now a dwarf planet and everything. I never heard until Mo just mentioned it on this podcast about these planetologists and their group and their arguments. I've never heard in popular culture, media, or whatever to the layman that that was even a thing. We were just told, nope, Pluto's no longer a planet, and that was the end of it. There was no 
debate at all. There was no controversy in the common consciousness. They always say the victor writes the history books and they're the authority. Right. <laughs> and so they don't publicize all the contrary, you know, the contrary uh, opinions. There's a really good documentary that came out in 2010 by PBS called The Pluto Files. It's actually based on Neil deGrasse Tyson's book. Mm -hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, by the way, it's partially his fault this whole thing kicked off. Yeah. Uh, so he wrote this book called The Pluto Files. But in this uh, documentary, it's a great one to watch if you're interested. And they oh, actually yeah, touch good. on arguments on both sides. They talk to uh, scientists trying to classify it, a diehard Pluto Files. They talk to the family of uh, the guy that discovered Pluto. It's really interesting. And if you're a Pluto fan, like I think we are, or most Gen Xers who grew up with it, it's a decent one to watch to understand why they changed it. It didn't change my mind, but it was really interesting. So right. does Neil deGrasse Tyson, does he believe it should or should not be a planet? <laughs> okay, so how the controversy started was that he was responsible for the redesign of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And they redid the whole lobby. It's beautiful. And so they have models of all the planets kind of going down the, the building inside like the atrium. So you can walk down and you kind of travel through the different planets. And so when you get down to past Neptune, they have a section which is Kuiper Belt objects, including Pluto. So in other words, he lumped them all in together. He, he lumped it together because that's where it lives. So wait a yeah. minute. So some guy gives a makeover to the lobby of a building and all of a sudden we lose a planet. That's what happened? He's not just some guy. He's a pretty <laughs> well, brilliant astrophysicist. Yeah, he, he does have a lot to say. <laughs> Nobody has told me, does he want Pluto as a planet or not? Is there a definitive answer on that? You know, I don't think he wants one way or the other. He believes scientifically it should not be a planet. Okay, so Neil deGrasse Tyson is an asshole. We're done with that one. <laughs> I just Check. wanted to know. I never liked him the first place. He's always kind of smug and condescending, and when he talks to people in interviews, he always cuts them off and everything. So I'm just going to say it right now. F Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't care. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Okay. You and your cosmos crap. That's right. I'm going back to my Carl Sagan. Screw you. Oh, I love Carl Sagan. Neil, if you're listening, I still respect you. Uh, George does not. Neil, George, George does not. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Neil. Tyson is off of my scientist list. You know, like He's now been declassified as a dwarf scientist. That's what we're going to call him now. <laughs> Oh, I want to hear each of you tell me what your opinions and your thoughts are about the change. But before I do, I, I want to mention what I think is the final insult is Ugh. that Pluto, previously the ninth planet of our solar system, previously the happiest little planet out from uh, the sun that interplanet Janet sang about, is now assigned number 134340 in the minor planet catalog. Ugh. Ugh. Ouch. I don't know what that means, but that sounds sucky. But it sounds like bullshit. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Whatever that is, that just sounds like crap, man. That sounds like a real punch in the nuts, man. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm saving Mo for last. So, George, since this changed, how do you feel about Pluto, the fact that it changed? Maybe it'll change back, but right now it's not a planet. What does that mean to you? And you're growing up as a Gen Xer, as a kid, you knew Pluto. How do you feel about the fact that it's no longer a planet? First of all, I don't believe it because okay. I yeah. don't see how you can say that a label determines what something is. Okay. Sure. A rose by any other name. It's just a label that has been assigned by an arbitrary species who really knows very little about what goes on on that Amen. celestial rock. Yep. We don't know crap. We're just making crap up as we go along and we're just deciding, no, this is a planet and this is gravity and this is an apple hitting you on the head. I don't care about any of that stuff. I know what I see. <laughs> I know what telescopes have shown me. It looks like a planet. It looks like the other things. I'm calling it a planet. Neil deGrasse Tyson with his stupid ass lobby can call it whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> it is lobby. <laughs> 
I say it's a planet. Oh, I don't yeah. understand how you can have something for that long of a period be vetted by numbers of people that somebody redesigns a lobby, then a group of people who are not experts in the field come up with some arbitrary rules in order, it sounded like, on purpose to try and find a way to declassify it mm-hmm. just based off of the fact that somebody had a bad interior designer. Yeah, I agree with you on so many points. The fact that it's not classified as a planet, that's just a name. Pluto is still out there. I'll never get to visit, but it hasn't changed. It has the same orbit. It's the same little Pluto that I knew growing up. The fact that a bunch of scientists on this little rock decided to slot it goes in their uh, categorization file. Doesn't make any difference. Pluto's still Pluto. You can't take that away from it, but it doesn't change how beloved Pluto is uh, and how much we all thought of it. I'm still good with Pluto. Yeah. Mo, I saved you for last. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Tell pretty me, obvious. I think <laughs> we know how you feel, but lay it out. I was actually happy when this the whole debate came up, to be honest, because it sparked a lot of interest in space. Like People started caring again, which I thought was awesome. They, people started talking about it. So I think it was a good side effect of it. Okay, so a happy side effect. All From right. a practical standpoint, I think just like the New Horizons, I don't know if you guys caught any of that stuff about the New Horizons that went past just a year ago, and we got some amazing pictures. That's where we found okay. out it had five moons and all right. that stuff. We found out that it's an active planet. It's not just like a mm-hmm. piece of just dead rock flying out there. All these things, everyone, you know, how can you look at that and say, yeah, not yeah. say it's a planet? And that's the part that just kind of bugs me because, you know, it has, it has freaking moons. <laughs> how can have moons and not be a planet? <laughs> it's trying to clear its vicinity. It's doing its best. Yeah, it's a big ass <laughs> orbit. It's going to take Poor time. Poor little Pluto's working <laughs> so, at it. So it's, to me, it always will be a planet. But if it doesn't change, I can live with it. I'll just have something to argue about. And we all know Mo's not happy unless he's complaining or arguing about something. So Exactly. <laughs> Another happy side effect. <laughs> <laughs> always something to fall back on. <laughs> they say our solar system is not alone in space. The universe has endless mystery. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. Whether it's a planet or a dwarf planet or a piece of the Kuiper belt or a decoration of the lobby, Pluto is still Pluto. <laughs> or a dog. Or, 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 or a little puppy. That's a cartoon. That's right. Pluto is still beloved to all of us. But one thing that is for certain is that that is going to wrap up this backtrack remembering Pluto. <laughs> Before we leave, I absolutely want to take a moment here to thank these wonderful folks who support us over on Patreon. They give a dollar or two every single month to support what we do at Gen X Grown Up. Yeah, I mean, we really couldn't do without them. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It, it only takes a few bucks a month. And if you would like to join this amazing roster of folks, and I'm talking about T2 and Corey and Agile and Stian and Stubaka and Levi and Chad and Marcus and Greg and Mike and Dana and Dan and Thomas and Will and Slowo and new since we last spoke, Blast It or Stash It has joined us as Yay. a patron. 
uh, YouTube channel that does comic book reviews and uh, they are supporting us now under the name of their channel. So thank you so much. If you want to join them, head over to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. We love that you believe in what we're doing here on the podcast and the YouTube channel and our website. And we're going to keep on doing it in large part. Thanks to the folks like you who support us. We will be back in two weeks with another backtrack, but next week with a, with a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thanks so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Oh, great, man. This is very cathartic. <laughs> Fourth listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. You know the things that I love about the fact how we edit is even when we have the little, little awkward pauses, like how do we get into this again? When you put it all together, it just feels like we streamed it right out and we're awesome. It's just like it's just like a natural conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is why we should never go live in front of an audience. (laughs) (laughs) The initials for Pluto, PL, are also the same initials as Percival Lowell, who discovered it. Hey, happy accident. Mushy Tumbaugh discovered it at Lowell Observatory. Who's Percival Lowell? Oh, oh, it's not the guy. That's the observatory. Observatory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I should do that again, but factually. Here's a little like a little uh, scientific tidbit, which is about the whole solar system. Mm-hmm. How far you know how far you know the moon is from the Earth? Yeah. You could fit. I mean, I don't know at, at its furthest orbit. You could fit every planet between us. Really? Yep. Hmm. That's not how it looks on the diagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moon's well, that's way because the Neil deGrasse Tyson there. put it in his damn <laughs> lobby that way. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking guy does a lobby. Uh, oh my. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 